Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan is going to join us to talk about the offensive approach and his philosophy heading into the 2023 NFL Draft. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm your host, Jake Lisko. He's your host, James Rapine. Today, we're going to be joined by the Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. We're part of the Locked On podcast network here on Locked On Bengals, covering your team every day. You can subscribe to this show on YouTube. You can follow anywhere you get your podcasts on an audio platform, and you can become an everyday listener. Become one of the everydayers. Become a first listener. You can join those couple of very exclusive and unofficial clubs. Today's episode of Lockdown Bengals is brought to you by HelloFresh. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. That's why it's America's number one meal kit. Go to HelloFresh.com slash NFL60 and use code NFL60 for 60% off plus free shipping. And James, we have some good stuff here with Brian Callahan. We do. I'm, I'm excited to, to chat with him. It was really good to catch up with him. And there's there's a lot of debates, dilemmas, Running back, tight end, shapes, sizes, a best player available at 28, needs on the team, all of those things. And yes, we asked the Bengals offensive coordinator that and so much more. So without further ado, let's get to our interview with Bengals OC, Brian Callahan. We're now pleased to welcome into the show offensive coordinator of the Cincinnati Bengals, Brian Callahan. And Brian, as we get going here about a week away from the draft here, exactly a week away from the draft here as we're recording this episode Let's start with broad strokes about this draft. Free agency got your roster to the point where, on paper at least, there's not a pressing need for a starter on the offensive side of the ball. So when you go into the draft in that position, does that change the way you prioritize your needs? Does it impact the way maybe that you even think about using your premium picks to draft premium positions when – you know, you look at your roster and at least on the offensive side of the ball, you feel like you're pretty strong at those premium positions. Yeah, I think we've done a really good job of filling uh, our needs in free agency, knowing what our needs are and filling those as best we can uh, with players that that we think are pretty good players. Just, you know, Irv Smith and obviously, uh, you know, having Orlando Brown on board helps us a ton. And um, it eliminates the the feeling that you need to have a particular position filled in the draft. And that's a that's a good place to be. I mean, obviously a lot of credit goes to Duke and those guys for uh, putting together a roster so far that, that doesn't have, a, doesn't feel like we have a lot of holes on offense. Um, we're always looking to get better and improve, but we don't feel like there's a, um, a position that we're, we're desperately seeking that if, you know, we get to a certain point, we feel like we have to take somebody that, um, you know, may not be worthy of that particular pick uh, in terms of round and, and, and number and all that where they're selected. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's a good feeling to be in that spot. Have you been in draft rooms where that's the case, where you're like, we have this need and we have to address it? And if so, how nice is it to, to not have that problem? Because I, I feel like it's the exact same thing as, as last year when you were sitting at 31. You can yeah. sit there, sit back and take the best player. And yeah, that's what I mean, that's where you want to be. And, and hopefully we're, we're picking at 31 or 32, um, <laughs> you know, as much as possible. That means things went well for us. But um, yeah, it definitely puts you in a spot where, you let the draft sort of come to you. You don't know what's going to happen, who's going to be there. 
Um, but yeah, I've been in places before where you've, that we've definitely had to reach for a pick because we had to fill a position. Um, I think that's pretty common. That happens a lot, especially if you've got holes on your roster. Um, you're always looking for guys, guys bubble up that necess- that wouldn't necessarily bubble up because you you feel like you need to have that player. So um, the best you can stay disciplined in that process without pushing guys higher than than maybe they they should be drafted um, allows you to to be smart in your selections and again try to take the best the best available talent that that sits there for you and that can be at a number of different positions when you feel like you have uh, your positions at least solidified to some degree. So when you feel like you have those positions solidified, how do you go about stacking the the list of needs? Because you obviously go through the exercise of stacking players and you're yep. going to have your your grades on the players. You're going to know who the best player is. But when you're evaluating your needs, how does that conversation change when you feel like your roster is is pretty strong? Well, it, it allows you to, to maybe take a um, a luxury pick here and there, if you will, you know, or uh, – a style of player that you know maybe fits uh, as a as a role player, especially maybe their first year, but but you know they're going to have a chance to ascend, but um, they have ability to to do something for you that you don't have on your roster. Um, you know it's hard to put to pinpoint what that is exactly for us. I mean we we feel like we got pretty good players uh, across the board, but you know when you look at positions that um, you know our fourth receivers, our tight end position, our running back position, places where we have some version of a hole that that we don't feel like is a detrimental hole but guys that you know we're certainly focused on those spots in the draft when it comes to uh, where where those guys would fit for us so you know it's it's hard to it's hard to say how it plays out for us in, in that regard but it definitely makes it a lot easier to um, not have to reach for those types of players that that you think might be fun to have but that maybe they don't fit the fit the round I asked Duke this earlier today, and I'm just curious. This is year five for you. I'm sure year one was was such a blur in 2019 just because of when Zach got hired, assembling the staff, all of those things. But how has this process evolved from your perspective? Because I'm sure Duke, all of the scouts, they have such a better feel for what Zach Taylor, Brian Callahan, the entire staff, what you guys want to do on offense and what you want to accomplish. Yeah, it's it's been really it's fun. It's a fun process nowadays. I mean, we we have a we have a really good feel for what everybody's looking for and uh, what positions, what the traits we're looking for in, in all the positions that we have. And um, you know, it's, it's it's never a perfect science, but I just I think our guys do such a good job of doing the research, doing the due diligence, um, and really digging into the prospects. I mean, these guys, you know, between Mike Potts and um, Steve Radicevic and, and we've added Trey Brown here in the last, you know, whatever it was two drafts. Now he's been with us and um, we just got really smart scouts. I mean, these guys are all, um, I think, as good as scouts as, as you can find out there. And they have such a great feel for what we want, what we need. And then what, you know, there's there's always going to be a difference in what scouts look at versus what coaches look at. Um, and that's why we've, we've been able to blend it really well. Um, and we have our our conversations and how we stack our boards and the players that we like versus the players that the scouting department likes. Um, those are always conversations that take place, and it allows us to to have straightforward, honest conversations about uh, what works for us and what doesn't. And maybe they have some guys they like that we don't like as much. And so that conversations, those conversations happen all the time. And we've just gotten so good at um, being able to to be straightforward, and and there's not a lot of nonsense. And we feel really good about where we're going to stack our board. And I think we've drafted really well over the last you know, three or four years that we've been together. And I think Duke does a great job. Um, I think Duke is, is an underrated, um, you know, general manager for, for lack of a better term, but I think Duke does a great job managing the draft, running the draft. And, 
you know, we got we got coaches that care about the evaluation process too, which is always good that that we're involved in it and it means something to us and it's important. So uh, we take a lot of pride in that part too. We'll get back to our interview with Bengals offensive coordinator Brian Callahan in just a second. But Locked On's NFL Mock Draft Special is here, and it's bigger than ever. Follow along as all 32 teams' first pick. They make their first pick in a six-episode ultimate mock draft that only Locked On can deliver. All episodes are available now on Locked On NFL Draft on YouTube and wherever you listen to podcasts. And I think you're going to like my selection, Bengals fans. Today's show is also, also brought to you by the number one protein bar on the planet. You know about it if you're one of our everyday listeners. Built Bar, high in protein, low sugar, low in calories, and something exciting right now is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. And I can't share all of the details yet, but the excitement is very re- real. You're not going to want to miss it. And if you know about Built Bar, you know about how Built works. They have the most incredible protein bars. So mark your calendar and make sure you go to Built.com this Saturday, April 22nd, to be one of the first to discover what all of the hype is about. And while you're there, make sure you use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off your order at Built.com. Duke, I think, was just ranked the number three GM in the NFL. I don't remember where it was, if it was ESPN or The Athletic or one of those big media sites that put out a list of GMs. And he talked about it in his press conference that, that James, was talk- James was talking about, the, the consensus building that you guys do. Mm-hmm. And I, I thought that was pretty cool. Let's talk about some specific positions and yep. maybe get a little poetic and, and philosophical about it. In your world where you've got these elite wide receivers, these elite weapons, this elite quarterback, this elite passing game, defenses are trying to keep a roof on you. Mm-hmm. When you look at tight end archetypes in this draft and the different kinds of tight ends that are available, how do you evaluate how a guy like Darnell Washington, for example, might force defenses to respect the running game a little bit more in 11 personnel? Sure. Or a guy like Dalton Kincaid, who might be that more refined receiving mismatch who could punish teams for going middle of the field open. How do you how do you try to stack and and determine which of those things is going to have a bigger impact for you? Well, I mean, for us, you know, any any time that we have uh, guys that can that can make our passing game more dynamic, um, that's always a plus for me personally. I'm not saying that that's how um, you know everybody sees it all the time, but uh, any time that we can make our passing game more dynamic, uh, find ways to get one on ones that that they can't devote all those resources to cover. They they have to have someone that can cover a tight end, and if you have a a threat there that's a real threat that they don't feel like is a good matchup for for a linebacker or, or safety. Um, you know, it allow, they have to devote the resources somewhere. And so when you're doubled, receivers are doubled all the time, uh, which ours were a lot towards the end of the year, uh, it forced us to find matchups elsewhere with our running backs and tight ends. And um, there's a lot of value for that for us, the way our offense is built, uh, maybe more than some other teams around the league. So um, being able to, to win in the passing game is always going to be something that, that I always value um, for the way that we're constructed versus some other teams. But, um, you know, when you got a mismatch problem, whether it's a size mismatch, a strength mismatch, uh, a speed mismatch, it's always going to make uh, your passing game a little bit more uh, valuable. And then again, if you got a guy you know, like Darnell Washington you're talking about, who's who's a really a, a human freak show in terms of his measurables, <laughs> there's not a lot of humans on earth that look like him. Um, you know, he has a dynamic in the run game with a strength that um, is very different and unique. So, um, you know, there's it's a fun class of tight ends to look at. When you're evaluating, and I know it's it's not just you, 
and it doesn't necessarily have to be tight end, but since Jake brought up tight ends, I'll, I'll just use this as the example. A guy like Darnell Washington who just blows everyone away with the measurables and has the one-handed catch at the combine, and it's like, oh, well, if he comes a little more, if he becomes a little more dynamic as a pass catcher, he can be one of these dominant tight ends versus a guy who might not test like mm-hmm. Kincaid. But then the film, you can see he is dynamic, but you don't know if he runs a four, five, six or exactly what he runs, and you didn't get to see all, how hard of it is, how hard is it to balance that film versus, man, they showed potential on film, but they obviously tested like a freak. Yeah, that's the that's the fun part of the process, you know, is, is you you have all these feathers, there's all the factors that go into it, and not, and not one of them necessarily always weighs more than the other, and you spend all this time watching, the, the, the tape has to check out, um, the measurables have to check out, the, the times have to check out, uh, when you don't have times, it makes you nervous. It's not a. It's because that's all part of the equation. It's part of the formula of of, of how you evaluate a prospect. Um, the person matters. You know, there's some there's some things that uh, the the character, the football character, the football intelligence. Those things all factor into the equation. And then the last part that gets added in after all this time is is the injury uh, histories and the injury issues and the injury risk. And that's the that's a factor that we have to weigh. And you don't always know. There's there's been guys over the years and places that I've been that. Uh, our, our medical rejects on our draft board that played for 10 years. And, you know, there's guys that are perfectly fine that get injured three or four times and don't ever make whatever their career arc should have been. So um, that's a really tough uh, science to, to get behind, but it's, it's also part of the equation when you're looking at, at injury histories and longevity concerns. And I mean, they, they give these guys medicals, um, I mean, up and down, they, 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 every MRI, every scan, everything you possibly think of, um, they do that. So there's the, it's all of those components together that makes the evaluation process really, um, really fun and, and why it's so hard for everybody to get it right all the time. Staying on the topic of tight ends for a second, it's been called by scouts, you know, Bob McGinn puts together his quotes from all the anonymous scouts every year, for example, one of the best tight end classes ever by by many and it's easy to see at the top guys like michael mayer very clean prospect darnell washington we've talked about as the the physical specimen the the freak at the position dalton kincaid is a refined pass catcher luke musgrave had an excellent senior bowl sam laporta tucker craft in that conversation as well do you from your perspective see that depth throughout the draft are there Mm-hmm. guys you're really comfortable with that you think can come in and be contributors early in their career like I do into this draft I think I think it's like I the best way to put it is the, the tight end drafts the last couple of years have been really poor um in terms of I mean there's been like one or two that have gone on the top 50 and, mm-hmm. and and it just hasn't been exciting at the top there's been a handful of guys that have produced in the later rounds but it's it hasn't been um it, there's some recency bias there probably because the classes have been so poor uh, in the last couple of years, but uh, it's a it's a fun class. The top of it is really talented. Um, there's going to be four or five of these guys that I think are going to make really immediate impacts uh, wherever they end up. Um, it is deep, but I think when you get into the later rounds, um, and, and by later rounds, I mean even into the you know fourth, end of the third, fourth, fifth. There's good players, uh, but those guys are going to still have some projection to them and some uh, some project. Uh, as far as they're probably not going to be top level immediate contributors because i do think it's really hard to play tight end in the nfl with all the things that they have to know and do 
um, it does take some adjustment and it is there is a there is a learning curve that that takes some time and that's why you see most of these guys come into their own somewhere in, in years two and three uh, I think Mitchell Wilcox is a good example of that I mean he's been on our team for what feels like forever and and he finally this year became a, a pretty meaningful contributor for us so um, it's possible that the guys can develop it's a developmental position I think and so uh, those those spots in the later rounds uh, while there's good players there I think they still uh, have have some have some developmental uh, arc ahead of them, uh, even though they might be better than what's come out the last handful of years. I think one of the biggest question marks that I have, and it's going to be interesting to see, is how you guys address running back in this draft. Mm-hmm. Just because we really haven't seen you do it. later rounds, of course, you guys have taken running back, but what we haven't seen you necessarily go that route. And so if you do this year, I'm interested to see where you go. But I know a lot of NFL analysts have said it's deep at running back. But I, I know Jake and I have talked about it, and it's like it, it's it doesn't seem as deep as some have said, and no one knows where Bijan's going to go at the top. Mm-hmm. I, I I look at round two, round three, and then there's a bunch of guys after that, you know, fast guys and and, and things like. But it doesn't seem like it's like the 2017 draft, 2018 draft. How, how would you judge the the depth? I would agree with, back with, with what you what you said. I think it's um I think there's a couple really interesting players i mean i would think most of the running backs across the league and out out in the world and the mock drafts and all those things are, are pretty consistent i mean it's it's Bijan, it's it's jameer gibbs and it's you know it's probably uh charbonnet from ucla those are probably the consensus top three i, I would i'd guess it'd be hard pressed to find someone that would really disagree with that um i don't think it's i mean deep is a depends on what you're looking for you know um the, this class has has a lot of players that have interesting elements to them. Uh, but I don't know that uh, everybody's looking for the same things. You know, there's, there's some bigger um, ball carrier, first, second down type backs. There's guys that provide pass game value. Um, to me, it's always going to be, it's a three pronged uh, approach to running back and, and you got to be able to pass protect. Um, it's hard to evaluate that in college. Uh, you just hope that there's enough reps where it shows that they're at the very least willing because there's definitely guys that are not willing. Um, and that shows up pretty quickly on tape if, if they're not. So um, you have to find that. And again, it's hard to evaluate that because there just isn't a lot of it. Um, the college offenses don't always require it of, of their back. So it's not their fault. They just don't uh, have the reps of it that you can really evaluate and say this guy can or can't do it. You you project and hope he can. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time when we do all these Zoom meetings and bring these guys in. Uh, of, of drilling down on on their ability to pick up the concepts and protection. Um, you know, sometimes that takes time. I think Travion Williams is a good example. Uh, I thought he's really done a nice job growing, um, but it's taken him time. He, he was not a protector very much in college. Um, and it's more the mental than it is anything else. And then as long as they got the physical ability to go do it, you can figure that part out. You can get better at that, um, but it's hard to evaluate. And so it's, can a guy protect? Does he provide value in the pass game? And sometimes that's as simple as can he even catch? Some of them can't catch at all. Um, and then do they have any route running ability? Would you even want them running routes? Uh, and then third, to me, it's – it's. I've always believed that running the football is a prerequisite for a running back. You know, like you got to be pretty good at running the football to, to be a, a running back in college and be eligible for the draft. Uh, you got to have production in the run game. So um, I, I would say there's some interesting players, some that fit – maybe one of those categories, some that fit both. Um, it's rare to find a guy that fits all three, uh, that does all three of those really well. Sometimes that's a developmental part of it, but um, 
would say it's a, it's good talent in the running back position at the top of the draft. And then as you get deeper, it's going to be, um, you know, what what's your favorite flavor? You know, what what fits your your team the best? That's looking for it. Um, and some don't fit us, and that's just going to be how it's going to how it's going to work for us. But um, there's some interesting guys. I mean, there's there's guys in the, in the later rounds that are that are unique, and there's guys that got a ton of production. Um, they come in all shapes and sizes too. There's some little guys. There's some big guys. It's again, it's it's what's your pick your favorite flavor and and see if it fits for you. Yeah, I mean, you guys must at this point have a pretty good idea of what kind of player fits your offense. I mean, you talk about all the different skill sets that are packaged in some of these players, the receiving kind of guys like Jameer Gibbs, Kenny McIntosh, the Devin A. Chains, and Keaton Mitchells with the with the track speed. Not mm-hmm. that not that Jameer Gibbs doesn't have track speed. Uh, and, and, you know, the guys without much receiving tape, even in their game, but maybe they're really enticing runners with a lot of tools. Maybe they're a little bit younger, like Israel Abanacanda, or, you know, yep. really creative like Kendra Miller. What, what's your personal approach to that? as if you're calling the shots, how would you, how would you do this? How would you navigate this, this running back class? You know, I mean, it, at this point, it's, it's always going to be uh, what complements Mixon for us, you know, is we, we have a, we have a, a runner, you know, we have a, a, a first and second down style back. Um, and so you try to find things that complement that. And that's going to be things in the passing game. Um, that's going to be the protection role that Samaje played and then still has the ability to spell uh, that part of, of of the first and second down game when needed. So um, you, you really want more of an all-around back that, that's that got a little bit more lean into the pass protection um, and pass game part of it because that's where we're, we're light uh, in our running back room makeup at this point. Um, you know, and then we hope that obviously Travion and Chris come in and do some good things, but um, we don't have a lot of backs in our room right now. You know, we're, we're not – I think we got three, three right now under contract. Um, so, you know, you try to get to camp with at least five or six – um, and some of those can be CFAs. Some of those can be still veteran free agents that are out there. Uh, but it's but we're you know definitely in the draft. You hope to find a player that um, that we can, a young player that we can fit in that room and um, develop as as a as a protector, a protecting style back that's got some pass catch ability and 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 route running ability that that can still you know carry the ball a little bit. So uh, maybe that'll help you narrow down the list at some point for those of you out there that watch a lot of tape. We've uh, we've talked a lot about offensive tackle. Um, certainly on this podcast. I know a lot of fans have been paying attention to offensive tackle, but I, I want to ask you about the interior because mm-hmm. I haven't discussed a ton of it. And uh, not that you're necessarily in the market for a starter at those spots, but how do you feel about the interior offensive line of this draft? And, and do you think that that could be a, a candidate at some point? What were you, you address that in this class? It could be. I mean, when you get to the, those, those rounds where those guys are available, you know, you're, your way in what you what your roster looks like. I mean, we're we're pretty tackle heavy currently. Um, you know, we do need interior swing players, need interior depth on top of it. Um, so that's that that fits us better uh, than than some teams. Uh, but again, if, you're, if there's a, a tackle that's a, there at a certain a particular spot that we have a lot of uh, love for as far as grades and uh, consensus on, you know, I mean, we're not going to be afraid to, to take another tackle if they we feel like they can come in and compete for a starting job. And so. Um, the interior is a good class or some good players. Some, some fit, um, other styles of offense, maybe better than ours. Um, but there is some good, really good interior guards. I think that are going to go, you know, probably in that mid second round where they usually make a run on some of those types of guys. But, um, it's going to be weird because I do think the tackle class is different than the last couple of years because there's not the, um, high end surefire top 10 style tackles in this draft. There just isn't, um, 
good players, guys are going to play for a long time, but um, you know, the best, the best lineman is, is still probably a guard. And that's, that's uh, the kid from Northwestern. And there's a couple interesting tackles, both obviously Paris Johnson for a local, local Ohio state kid. And, um, but there, there's some, be some guys that'll go high ish, but you know, the last couple of years, it feels like there's been, you know, four or five tackles gone before the first 15 picks are up. And, and I don't know that that's going to look the same this year. So just different style, not as much high end shirt, top slot tackles, but, um, some good players that that are, and just not a lot of them. It's a, just a, a smaller class in general. It feels like going to be very interesting to see what direction you guys take at the end of the first round, or if you stay at the end of the first round, we'll see what happens there. Uh, we'll see what happens, but whether you get to make the pick on your side of the ball or not, right? We're talking all about the offense today, yeah. and there's that that other half of the team too. That there's a whole, whole other whole other uh, whole other list of guys there that. Uh, you know, that, that's, to me, that's the fun part of where we pick is you, you get a chance to hear the debates and, and we go back and forth on where, uh, where the value is for us and what, what makes sense at the, at the pick. And, you know, you're stacking defensive players versus offensive players. And obviously the, the premier positions are, are always going to take precedence. And that's offensive linemen, tackles in particular, corners. Um, you know, I don't know that there's going to be receivers there that, are, that, are, that fit that mold necessarily, but um, pass rushers, obviously, is always something that, that you're looking for at those spots. And so, um, you know, it's kind of whatever the whatever the best one falls into that area that we feel the, the, it's got the highest potential to help us immediately is usually going to be the pick at those spots. And uh, it's going to be fun. I, I enjoy that whole process of it all, watching everybody else pick and having the debates about it. Well, Brian, we look forward to uh, seeing who you pick if you make the pick at, at 28. And, and as always, we appreciate the time. Good luck, and, and hopefully you – you get the right guy at 28 next week. Appreciate you guys having me on. Always great to be joined by the Cincinnati Bengals offensive coordinator, Brian Callahan. We hope to talk with him again after the draft, assuming the Bengals draft literally any offensive players to talk about how those guys are going to fit in. They better. They better for my sake. Come on, Jake. They for better. all our sake, I think. Although we, we haven't maybe given it enough attention, they do need to fuel up and stock up for the next set of defensive cornerstones if they're not going to extend some of these guys. There's some financial decisions there. That is for another day. That's a conversation not for right now, but we, again, hope to have Brian Callahan back on the show in the near future here to talk about who the Bengals land on. And we're one week away from the draft, James. Great way to finish up here. We recorded this episode, of course, literally a week before the draft kicks off next Thursday. And so we've got another week here of content coming up. We're going to get our predictive mock drafts. We're going to talk about all sorts of other stuff leading into the draft. And then we'll have you covered after the Bengals make their picks throughout the draft weekend. So make sure, like I said at the top of the show, you're subscribed on YouTube. You're following anywhere you get your podcast. You get all of that content as we go. And one of the biggest weeks of the offseason right up there with free agency opening up. So thanks for listening this week on Lockdown Bengals. We had a great discussion of first-round picks earlier this week with Joe Goodberry. We, of course, had today's episode with Brian Callahan. Lots of other really good draft content this week. If you missed any of it, go check it out, and we'll be back in just a couple of days here as we gear up for the week of the draft. So until then, thanks for listening. Hootay, and have a good one.